Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we've been doing a short series on how to study and understand the Scripture. And kind of where we've been so far is we've talked about how to approach the Bible, how to study the Bible, how the Bible kind of relates to itself, what's the main theme of the Bible, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, what are the basic rules of biblical interpretation, how, what's our posture supposed to be when we approach the Bible. So of course, if you've missed any of those uh, broadcasts, just subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life in your app. So today, I think we're talking about something that is a little more difficult to uh, to, to flesh out because all of us have certain presuppositions that we approach the Bible with. And, and oftentimes these presuppositions are based on simply the way that we were raised. We were raised in a particular church. So we were raised in a Baptist church, so I'm automatically Baptist. Or I'm raised in a, a dispensational church, so I'm automatically dispensational. But when the Bible says to test everything and hold fast to what is true, Paul doesn't mean that we should just test uh, the people that we're listening to, uh, the teachers and preachers, but that we should also test our our basic presuppositions. And that's important. So here, here's the question today. Are there presuppositions that certain camps within Christianity have adopted when it comes to the whole storyline of Scripture? I would say that everybody has presuppositions with regard to how they read the Scriptures. Um, I think the difference is that that some are just willing to acknowledge that they have them or know that they have them, while others will claim that they don't have presuppositions but do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, the bottom line is we bring with us presuppositions to everything that we do. Um, and whether you believe in covenant theology like we do in this room and we see the Bible as an unfolding of a covenant God in relationship with his covenant people, or if you take a dispensational view where you see God interacting with his people differently depending on the different eras and that um, that there is a clear demarcation between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And there can be other lenses that we bring to God's Word. I know it's, it's kind of popular to say, well, I, I have no creed but Christ. I don't have any type of framework that I bring. I just read and believe the Bible. Oh, but how do you come to your conclusions? Mm-hmm. Are you really a neutral being? Because I haven't met one of those. Yeah. And you have beliefs that you're using as a lens to n- interpret the Scripture. And, and if I respond, well, I just believe the Bible too, but we come to two different conclusions, then who who's the referee? So um, you, you went exactly— And both can't be right. Both can be right. So let, let's give an example. So— 
our, our dispensational brothers and sisters, uh, in case you're wondering what dispensationalism is, it, it is a framework, a structure of how to understand the whole Bible. James uh, Nelson Darby, John Nelson Darby, rather, in the 1800s kind of invented this system, and it was popularized by a guy named C.I. Schofield in the 20th century. And basically, Schofield distinguished between seven consecutive errors. Uh, he, he called them dispensations. And um, the basic hermeneutic is, is that what happens in one dispensation is not carried over into the other dispensation. And so that has massive implications when we're talking about understanding the Old Testament in regards to the New Testament, because to boil down their, their assertion, their assertion says that now that we are in the dispensation of grace, therefore, what happened in the Old Testament is done away with unless it's expressly laid down again in the New Testament. Yeah, there would, I, I can remember one person uh, saying, you know, you don't read the Old Testament because that was written to Israel just like you don't read somebody else's mail. So that's somebody else's mail. We're just a New Testament church. Well, that's denying the unity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a danger in, in that. And so recognizing these different interpretations actually may start a controversy in your church because the pattern might be overturned by the truth as you as you study it. Well, and that's you know, and that's my point. People don't like people don't like it when you mess with their way of seeing the world. It doesn't matter in the church outside the yeah. church if you mess with the way they see the world, their presuppositions, they don't they're not early, oftentimes early joiners to something new. Right. And so they have to be convinced. Right. So he, here's the interesting thing. So one of the so you could say, well, look, at covenant theology is different than dispensationalism because of this this and this and look at how they do this and how they practice this and that's all fine that's all true but the fundamental difference between dispensationalism and covenant theology does rest in its hermeneutical idea or the hermeneutical principle dispensationalism says everything in the old testament is done away with unless it's repeated in the new covenant theology says no nothing is done away with except for what the new testament expressly says is done away with and so then the question is is well which hermeneutical principle should we interpret and why I think what you find is that Jesus is saying all of what was in the Old Testament is about me. I don't know how else to interpret all other than all. It's pointing to him, his person, and his work. And yeah, so Hebrews, why... will, Hebrews will point out that these are types and shadows mm-hmm. of what was to come. So all of that was important, uh, you know, and whether it was given in a narrative form, whether it was given as prophecy uh, by the prophets, uh, these types, these shadows, all were pointing to him. So, yes, that's, you know, we have to read this as a continuity. And it's interesting to me that, like, if you just take the book of Revelation, you can't understand the book of Revelation apart from an understanding of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. You will get the book of Revelation wrong 100% of the time when you read it apart from its Old Testament bearings. Yeah. And so if you go into that book and you dismiss the Old Testament, then you actually don't get what the imagery, the language, because almost the entire book is a quote or an allusion to Old Testament material. So let, let I'm me, not let saying, me, I, I would say that even those that, might take a different approach to how you would interpret it, might agree to that statement. You know, the, but they're still bringing certain presuppositions yeah. to yeah. that. 
So, so let me use an analogy just to make it clear for maybe some people are getting lost in some of the words that we're using. If I come home today from work and my son is watching a Reddit R movie and I say, hey, um, we have rules in this house. Why are you watching that, that movie? Well, dad, you gave that rule yesterday. Uh, yesterday's rules don't apply today. And it's like, what? Well, where did you get that assertion? So when, when we're talking about understanding the Bible, you have to know the difference between an assertion and an argument. That's uh, many presuppositions are just assertions, bald assertions that have no scriptural evidence behind it. So I love our dispensational brothers and sisters. I was raised that way. But this assertion that that everything in the Old Testament is be to to be dismissed unless it's repeated, that's all that is. It's an assertion. It's not an argument. And that assertion needs to be tested by scripture, and I don't find that hermeneutic principle in scripture anywhere. Mm-mm. In a different analogy that's going to break down a little bit, um, if I came home to my wife, I mean, my wife and I get married and I say to her, I really would like to know nothing about your life prior to us getting married. I I don't want to know anything about your childhood, um, any of your school experiences. I really don't need to know a lot about your family. We just began our married life together, and that's all that matters to me. And all I care to know is everything from our marriage date forward. Well, that would feel a little bit goofy. Like, really? You don't care about anything that happened prior to the marriage? Mm -hmm. And in a little way, I feel like that's what dispensationalism is is in in, in some ways doing. I know the analogy breaks down, but saying, oh, I don't care about anything that happened in the past. I, I just this is the moment that I'm going to care about moving forward. Mm -hmm. And that's not how the Bible, I mean, think about how many times Paul refers to Abraham. Well, why is Paul referring to Abraham if his basic presupposition should also be, let's forget what's, what's happened in the old Testament. No, he actually connects new Testament believers to Abraham. He he says in Galatians three 29, that if you are in Christ, then you are heirs of, of offspring of Abraham and heirs of the promise. So he's in one sweeping statement. He says, believer, there, there was a promise there. <laughs> exactly. Believers, you are connected to Abraham. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if, even if for the sake of argument, we were to accept the dispensational argument and assertion, um, right there, Paul and other New Testament authors are connecting New Testament believers to the covenants in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Covenants that God referred to as everlasting covenants, mm-hmm. which I don't know how they can be everlasting if they stopped. And so I think we have to wrestle with some of that language of the continuity that is embedded even in the wording of the Old Testament. So, so the, one of the presuppositions that you have to um, work through is, in the Bible, are there two people of God or one? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, a dispensationalist would say there's two people of God. There's the there's Israel, and then there's the church. Where in a covenantal theology, you would say there's one people of God. And God has one people. The Old Testament uh, saints were looking forward uh, to to the promise that was given in Genesis three fifteen, repeated throughout Scripture. This threat of redemption that's going to find its uh, fulfillment in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and as and as a New Testament believer, we are looking back on those same promises and seeing them fulfilled in Christ. And I think some people would hear that and say, "One per, one people of God, right?" And I think some people would say, 
man, that's weird. Cause they've heard phrases like replacement theology and stuff like that. But here's the thing again, test your prejudices against scripture. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither male nor female slave or free Jew or Gentile, but you are all one in Christ. One, one, what one body, one mm-hmm. people of God. People, you know the uh, the analogy on the replacement theology that I that I appreciate. Somebody, you know, saying, "Well, you're replacing you're replacing Israel with the church, or, or you're re- you know, so you're re- you're making this replacement." Well, no, I I like to think of it as you know the difference between the caterpillar and the butterfly, and it's not a replacement. It's all the same DNA. This is the fulfillment of yeah. what God planned. And God is a missionary God, and he sent a missionary son, applying things by a missionary Holy Spirit. Uh, Abraham was seed was to bless the nations. Mm-hmm. This is what the church is. It's the nations coming to Christ. Yeah, it's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. Yes. In the book of Galatians, Paul will end. He's writing a, a book or a letter to the church, and he's saying, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Which even, seems even, to be an odd this, statement if yeah. he's if they're not connected. Well, given the fact that he argued against Jews and Gentiles separating in that shirt in that body, and then for him to kind of make a, a purely Jewish statement would contradict the whole book. Yep. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. If you missed any of these episodes, just subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life, in your app, and we will see you next time. 